The greats are willing to do what it takes to have the card conversations, to call themselves out, to raise their hands, to take the blame, to point the finger, um, being like, you need to pick up your end of the bargain because they know they're, they're holding their end of the bargain. You know, the, the greats lead themselves first, you know, mm. and that, therefore they become the greatest leaders of teams and humans. Everybody and welcome back or welcome to the 30th episode of the Volley Talk podcast, a podcast of the players, by the players, for the players. My name is Tasha. I'm a beach volleyball player from Malaysia and I'm your host for today. Today, we are incredibly lucky to sit with a legend in this sport and listen to her share her journey. Most of us know her as a five-time Olympian who has won three golds and one bronze, a three-time World Championships gold medalist, countless world tours and AVP events winner, and is considered to be one of the greatest of all times in beach volleyball. We usually only hear the successful and happy parts of her journey to the top, but many of us don't know what it took for her to get there. The discipline, hard work, losses, self-doubt, and heartbreaks that she has had to experience to go down in history as a legend. In today's episode, our guest of honor, Team USA's Carrie Walsh Jennings shares the many behind the scenes part of her journey as never heard before, authentically and sincerely. We cover many things including how she never had the courage or humility to try beach volleyball in her young adult life, why her toughest challenge is overcoming her own self-doubt and how she has learned to turn that to a superpower, how she feels that beach volleyball athletes need to stand for themselves more and stop settling for less how she trains during different seasons and the various training methods she uses to get in shape, why she focuses her nutrition plan around protein and hydration, the story behind her organization P1440, and tips for people who want to build a successful organization, the difference between being great versus good, and a whole lot more wisdom that Carrie has shared in this podcast. This episode is so packed with information that you're going to want to take notes. So get comfortable, relax, and enjoy the podcast. Happy Earth Day, Carrie. What a beautiful Thank day you. for us to record this podcast. <laughs> I agree. And before we start, I just want to um, tell a story so that our listeners know just what a great human being you are. <laughs> so in 2019, when you and Brooke came to Malaysia Port Dixon for the FIB. FIVB three-star tournament. Uh, prior to that, me and my friends were so excited because you were coming. <laughs> and then I, I did a drawing of you and your daughter because I wanted to give it to you. And then when I met you for the first time, I was starstruck. I literally could not even form a proper sentence. <laughs> we were so excited to meet you and you were just so nice and humble. And I gave you the drawing. And then um, one or two days later, you came to me and you gave me your very own singlet, the P1440 singlet, which I still have until now and I still wear it everywhere and I tell everyone that you're the one who gave it to me. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that needs a lot of use. <laughs> yes, so I just wanted to share that story to let our listeners, listeners know just what a humble and generous person you are. Oh, well, thank you. Well, you know, I remember meeting you very, very clearly. And, um, you know, Brooke and I were so excited for that tournament. And 
it's always wonderful, a pleasant surprise when the locals, you know, just have so much enthusiasm and love for the game and, and are supporters of yours. And you were so kind and your art was incredible. Aww. I remember being so excited to go home and share it with my kids um, and Scouty in particular. She <laughs> loved it. So I still have that. It's in my, my keepsake box. So Aww. thank you for making that special. That means a lot to me. Thank you, Carrie. All right. So since we have so many things to cover, let's get into it. So right. first of all, in your own words, who is Carrie Walsh Jennings in a tweet? Oh, gosh. Eee. Tasha, I don't believe in labels or limits. Um, okay. And so, you know, I just, I, I just, I think I would say I'm a child of God. I'm made of God and I'm limitless. That's what I would say. Mm, I and a work that. in progress. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, that, that's a bit of a, a tough question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For the first for And everything time. and nothing at the same time. Ooh. Well, what, what do you mean by that? Meaning um, in the scope of the universe, you know, I'm just one little speck, but I really do believe that each of us are made of God. And um, you know, it's like one drop and the ocean is just one drop, but all the drops make up the ocean. And I kind of feel like I'm that, you know, mm. um, I feel like there's so many parts of myself and so many dreams I have and so many things left undiscovered. And that's kind of the mission that I'm on in this life is to, to seek these things and find these things about myself within the world I live in and, um, to leave it a better place, you know, certainly to, for me to leave in a better situation. Wow. I love that. So, how did you first start beach volleyball? Oh, gosh. Well, I think it's probably pretty important to know that I avoided beach volleyball, <laughs> like my whole, my whole life, young adult life. You know, I grew up near Santa Cruz, and which is a beach town in California, and I just would never, ever play. I thought I was an indoor girl, never wanted to play beach, never had the courage or the humility to try it. And then, um, you know, after my first Olympic experience in 2020, I knew I was looking for something different. I didn't want to go overseas to play indoor volleyball. I love being home and I'm a homebody. And, and so I was just praying for some direction and some guidance. And at the Olympics, um, my parents ran into Misty May's parents and they had a conversation. Wow. And that conversation was about, let's get our girls together, see if they you know, have any magic. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, fast forward, I think four or six months later, I went down to Southern California. I was a senior at Stanford at the time. And I drove down in between kind of classes and I had a little tryout with mist and that was the beginning of everything. So, um, I went from avoiding it with all my heart to just diving right in to be with the best that's ever yeah. been. <laughs> and it was a big leap of faith, but, um, it was obviously very worthwhile. And you guys did create a lot of magic. <laughs> we did. We did. It was fun. I still feel that magic. Wow. So who or what inspires you the most along this journey? You know, Tasha, I feel like every single human or animal that is just doing it, you know, living life and trying their hardest when things are hard, they're appreciative when things are great. Um, I'm kind of one of those sappy people who cries at commercials who will be inspired <laughs> by, you know, an elder man or woman running down the street. You know, I just, I have, I have so much compassion and I just really appreciate people who go for it, you know, and there's so many different ways to go for it. Sometimes it means sitting and meditating. Sometimes it means, you know, putting on your shoes and going for a hike or just trying something new. Mm. Um, those are the people that inspire me and um, the people who can be playful and serious at the same time 
when they're going through life. Um, that's how I aspire to be. So that's kind of what I'm attracted to. Wow, I love that. Yeah, I, I'm reading this book called Everyday Hero Manifesto, and it talks about just like the everyday people who do their best. And um, it's not just about the big names in the world, but yeah. every everyone who is showing up and doing what they do in the best way possible. Like those are the heroes that we need to look up to. A hundred percent. Yeah. You know, it's because it, not everyone has that platform where they become a big name. Mm-hmm. you know, but that average everyday hero makes the world go around and makes the world a better place. And you doing what you're doing, chasing your dreams, having this podcast is giving other permit, people permission to do the same, you know? And I just think that's so, so powerful. Oh, thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. So Carrie, what were some of the most memorable moments throughout your journey? Oh, um, well, you know, the biggest gift in my whole journey in sports, I guess we'll fall focus on sports, um, has been the relationships within it. Mm-hmm. You know, I've just been so blessed to have amazing teammates and coaches and travels around the world. Um, so my best experiences have been like alongside Misty and we're in roads at, you know, Greece and we're traveling in this place that we have no idea about. There's cats everywhere. And we're just trying to figure out how to go play well in a tournament and get food, you know, like, or we're on a train going to Shad and the train separates and we go somewhere to a different country, you know, like uh-huh. these little things or, or I'm in, you know, China and it's my birthday and my mom sends this huge box of, you know, like little things that just the people along the journey, along my route have made everything so special. You know, mm-hmm. um, I met my husband on this journey and um, Misty, you know, brought so much into my life. And so I, I think it's the relationships and the people and those little like everyday mundane things, going mm-hmm. to a cafe and reading a book next to your partner. Like those were my favorite things. <laughs> winning, winning, of course, is so special. The Olympic memories are so special. Yeah. Um, that's like the most fleeting part of it, you know, because that's, you know, there's this whole entire journey and saga to get there. And then once you're there, it lasts a couple of days and you're done, you know. So the journey has always been my favorite part. And the people have been my most favorite part of the journey. Mm. Do you sometimes feel like your life is a movie <laughs> when uh, you look well, back? I think all of ours is, yeah. <laughs> well, well, you know, I I want to I want to be the hero of my own movie. I want to be the hero of my own life, and I want to encourage other people to do the same. You know, I've been listening to so much. I've been in a bit and a bit of a like in between stage lately. You know, not knowing if I'm coming or going, and trying to figure out like what's my next kind of golden ring I'm I'm striving for. And mm-hmm. that's a hard place for me to be you know, because, um, usually I know, I just know. And so I've been listening to, um, to a lot of, um, just like kind of just motivational inspiring people who I really look up to. And all of them basically say a version of the same thing. It's like, you are the hero in your own movie. You are writing the script as you go. So if you're unhappy with how the script is going or how the hero in your movie is living, change it. Like it's in your hands. And I believe that with all my heart. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I truly believe that. And so um, I need to stop feeling sorry for myself being in this middle space and pick a direction and go, go for it with all my heart, you know? So that's, it's pretty funny. I mean, even for someone like you who has achieved so much to be still thinking like that. Well, it's just, you know, there, there, there's so many mountains to climb, you know, in life. And once you get to the top of one, another one is looming in front of you. And, and for me, um, I just want to keep learning and growing. You know, and, and I feel like there's so much, like I, in so many ways, I feel like I'm just scratching the surface of my life, you know, of my spirituality of my presence of my power of my understanding of where I fit in the world and how I want to contribute. 
Um, and so spending time as I'm in this in-between stage on thinking about these things, you know, how, how do I want to feel in my body and in my days and mm. what do I want to contribute? These are all very powerful things. And, you know, I'm, I don't feel like I'm too old to do that on the court or off the court. I don't think greatness comes in any age. You know, I've met great, great wise humans who are 10, you know, and, <laughs> and some of the most, you know, physical and playful human beings who are so inspiring when they're, you know, 95. Yeah. It's just, it comes in all, in all phases. And I want to be one of those ones who at every stage of my life appreciates where I'm at and is just eager for what's coming up, you know, and that wow. to me is kind of the secret sauce for living a fulfilling and exciting life, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. So with all that being said, what has been the toughest challenge that you have had to face and what lesson did it teach you? Oh, I think the hardest thing that I've had to face consistently in my life and my career, whether it's in relationships or, you know, in my craft playing volleyball is just the self-doubt that creeps in, you know, and I think self-doubt and self-criticism are can be very, very powerful tools and strategies to get you to the next level. Um, when I'm, when I'm at my best, my fear of failure and my self-doubt, my criticism makes me work so hard and it takes me to the next level. But when I'm at my weakest or my most vulnerable, my self-doubt like becomes a big snowball, you know, Mm -hmm. the snowball effect. And it just, it becomes so huge and unmanageable because that's all I focus on what I don't have or what I'm missing or my weaknesses are when in reality, um, that's just potential waiting. You know, if I want something bad enough, my weaknesses are really just potential saying here, give me some love, give me some attention and develop me and I'll become a strength, you know? So the, the hardest things in life are kind of the chronic things in my opinion, you know, um, and kind of chronic self-doubt is a, is a real hard one. But what I've learned is that, and I learned, I've done a lot of work with my performance psychologists and a lot of amazing guides in my life. And Um, Mike Gervais, one of my favorite humans, he says, you know, self-confidence comes from one place, one place only. It's the way you speak to yourself. So your inner dialogue, that inner critic, you know, you have to be friends with that. And it has to be very authentic, real dialogue. Like I can't be having the worst day of my life and telling myself, Carrie, you're the best. Like (laughs) you just, you just, you know, gave up 10 points, but you're the best. It has to be credible is what he says. Um, And, but, so what I'm realizing is that I can choose my thoughts. Um, I can choose to be on my own team at all times, even when I'm in funks. Otherwise I'm literally just jumping on the other team and I'm making kind of the hard, the hard part of being in a funk, I'm making it last longer and feel Mm. worse. And so for me, you know, kind of embracing the moments of self-doubt, kind of being the observer, what's this trying to tell me, you know, how can I get through this in this moment? Let me just focus on being in the moment. I can't solve all of my problems in one, one second. So let me take it one breath at a time. Um, that's really kind of been my antidote to, to getting through self-doubt and then getting to work on the flip side of that. You know, when I have some space and some time to reflect on it and to really think about what is, what is causing my insecurities. Um, once I get a good understanding of that, then I kind of create strategies and structures to kind of attack it. What kind of st- strategies and structures do you use? Um, well, kind of what I just said. So j- awareness, I think is a magical, super human trait that we can all develop. Um, mm. so once I realize that I'm in a funk, that my inner critic is just being so mean to me, I have that awareness and I just, I, I choose to stop it. And I choose to go from negative to neutral, you know, instead of being like, oh my gosh, you're the worst. Everyone's looking at you to like, I got this. I'm here, be here. Um, I focus on my breath. So conscious breathing. Um, I've had some kind of tools where my one trainer told me just to, to look far off in the distance, 
because that's kind of like a physiological reset for your brain. You know, instead of being tunnel vision focused on the mm-hmm. negative, like you, it's like taking a deep breath. You look far off and it, it expands your vision. Um, I do. I, 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 so I work on my self-talk constantly. Mm. You know, I, I kind of become my biggest cheerleader. Um, when I'm training, you know, in practice, I'm working on my self-talk and working on my communication with my partner so that when I'm on the court, it's natural. Um, I work with my performance psychologist, you know, I have people I lean on. So it's like an inside job. It's a shared job when I talk to my coaches or my partner, and then also my, you know, my psychologist, my experts I lean on. Um, and then it's a reflective process as well, you know, and then it's a choice, you know, I, Mm. I, again, I always want to choose, choose to be on my own team, choose to live in, in truth and faith, not in fear. And the more I get into this habit of awareness, when I'm not doing that and choosing to do this, the better way, in my opinion, um, it just becomes easier and easier, but it's never easy. You know, you got to go through shit sometimes, use my language to figure (laughs) out your process and to figure out, you know, this isn't working this time. Let me try something else. And that's kind of part of the, the whole fun of it, actually. Yeah, that's so true. And I really like how you say that, uh, the first thing is awareness, because I think, um, especially I see a lot of young athletes, they don't even realize that they're talking badly to themselves. And then they just keep saying stuff that is hindering their progress, but they don't even realize it. And then even when other people tell them, it's like they choose not to listen or something. I don't know. But (laughs) yeah, yeah, I really like the fact that you pointed that out. Oh, well, I mean, I, when I was a young kid, I did it when I'm a 43 year old woman, I still do it. You know, it's always a work in progress, mm-hmm. but literally, you know, this has been said so many times in so many different ways, but it's like, how would you speak to your best friend or mm-hmm. to your child when they mess up? Like it's, you should do that to yourself. And it's not that you're allowing yourself to underperform or to, to live in mediocrity. It's like, you can't hate yourself for messing up, like acknowledge it, mm-hmm. have awareness of it, and then move powerfully through it, whatever that looks like. You know, but the moment that you start hating yourself, it's just, again, you're digging yourself in a deeper hole that doesn't need to exist. You know, if you want to be your own hero, it all starts with the way with self-love. And sometimes Aww. self-love is like, Carrie, pull your head out of your tushy, like, come on, focus. <laughs> and sometimes self-love is you got this, like, that, you know, like that was an honest mistake. Learn from it, move on, you know? Mm, so different forms of self-love. Yeah. Different expressions of everything. You know, sometimes my game face is a huge smile. Sometimes it looks like I want to rip your face off. You know, it's just, there's (laughs) there's different faces of everything. Wow. Interesting. So Karina, I'm going to ask you some of the best ever questions. So which is the best ever match that you have ever played? Oh, um, the semifinals match in London, Misty and I versus the Chinese, um, team oh I watched was, that <laughs> uh, we were getting our butts kicked and um we just we outlasted like Missy uh-huh. and I did so well yeah. and we stuck together like we did better than anyone in the world for 10 years and mm-hmm. we we did it wow and um which is the best ever team that you have played against I mean you and Misty were like the best team in the world but if there was uh, one team you know that's such a good question um Cause there's just, there's just been so many great ones. You know, when Missy and I first started, there was a team of Sandra Perez and Anna Paula Connolly, and they beat us more than anyone. Um, mm. And it was so frustrated until we cracked the code. And then once we had it, we had them consistently, but they were incredible. They were so smart, so wise, um, very experienced and very physical. And they were a great team together. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, I think Larissa and Juliana for sure were, uh, they were never an easy match ever. Mm -hmm. Um, Sheldon, Adriana, like early in our career, they were very, very good. Um, and this, you know, we beat them often then the scores were pretty lopsided, but it was always such a challenge and so gnarly. And then I want to say Elaine Young's and Holly McPeak, um, these are all early in our crew. It's interesting that I'm choosing these athletes, <laughs> um, but these teams were amazing. I think most recently, um, you know, Laura and Kira kind of leading up to Rio were very hard. Um, this last quad, I almost forget because it was so hard <laughs> for me and I just performed so poorly. Um, I would say April and Alex, you know, when Brooke and I played against them, um, that mm. was always a hard battle, a hard battle. So there's just been so many amazing teams, but I would say the Brazilians in general were the hardest across yeah. the board. Yeah. You know what? I've been watching a lot of uh, UN Misty's old AVP games. It's just mm-hmm. so interesting to watch like how the old AVP format was with the yeah. crowd and the commentators and everything. It's so much fun. <laughs> yeah. It's our, our sport deserves that. Hopefully we can get back mm-hmm. to that. You know, yeah. there was so much reverence and yeah. so much, like, it was just so real, mm-hmm. you know, and the fans loved it and the athletes love it. The athletes were respected. The game was respected. And um, I, I, the game has taken a hit all across the world. And it's so unfortunate. We're seeing it on the AVP. We're seeing it on the FIVB. And ideally, you know, this is kind of a rebuilding stage. And Bally's mm-hmm. came in about the AVP. I'm hopeful for them. Um, FIVB just got a big injection of money. I'm hoping for them. Um but the athletes need to start standing up for what we deserve. Yeah. And, and hopefully the fans start showing up consistently to support our sport. You know, um, yeah. that's been missing. It shows up hugely in the Olympics and it goes away for four years. So we, we need yeah. that every day. Yeah, that, that's what I feel too. Because I feel like um, beach volleyball is such an interesting sport. Like so many people love watching it. And mm-hmm. But I feel like beach volleyball players are so underrated. Yeah, I agree. Well, you know, it's like the Olympics is the greatest sporting event across the globe, you know, Mm -hmm. every two years now, um, it's because of the storytelling, you know, they get to know Mm -hmm. the heart behind the athletes and the the triumphs and the trials that they go through and, and, and then they showcase the sport. And we just, we haven't done that very well in our sport. There's so Mm -hmm. many amazing stories and it's not just the top athletes. It's like the people who are qualifying, they're in the country quota to try to qualify for the qualifier. You know, there's just so many amazing stories. Um, and hopefully, you know, now with social media and I know us athletes can tell our own stories, which is a beautiful gift going on podcasts like yours is a beautiful gift. Um, but the market needs to recognize us. And I don't know how I'm hoping 14 P1440 can be the vehicle where we transcend sport and the market recognize us. Um, but, you know, it's coming. We just got to stay on it and we have to we have to have standards and values and stick with it you know I think we need to stop settling for less yeah so uh more questions about p1440 later <laughs> okay oh. which is the best ever venue that you've competed in oh hell can I give you a couple yeah of course <laughs> okay. I mean you've competed in so many okay well yeah there's been so many uh, Manhattan Beach California is just it, the Manhattan Beach Open is such a special special event Stad Switzerland mm. is like my favorite ever. Um, we used to play in Klagenfurt, Austria, which was just next level. And then as far as the Olympics, you know, just every Olympic stadium is so special. Um, but playing in Athens and in London were just two of my highlights. Yeah, the, I think the Olympic stage is the most amazing one. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, it's just so romantic and so dramatic. <laughs> and it's just, <laughs> the history is, it's all beautiful. Uh-huh. 
And Carrie, what is one team that you would really love to play against, no matter past or present? Ooh, who's my partner? Um, anyone. <laughs> Whoever I want. All right, well, we'll leave the partner out of it. Who would I would like to play? All of them. All of the greats. I'd like to play. I'd like to play. I mean, I know we're women and we get our butts kicked, but I, I'd like to play Phil and Todd. <laughs> I'd Ooh, like to play my husband, yes. Casey and Matt Furbringer. Um, I'd like to play Misty and I. I'd like to play April and Alex. I'd like to play all the young ones, you know, uh-huh. the new um, Dutch team that's coming up and yeah. um, all of them. I like, I would like to play them all. <laughs> yeah. I was also watching a Phil and Todd's game recently. I was just so mesmerized by how they played. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're, I mean, they had a different kind of magic and they're just, they just fit, you know, it's mm-hmm. so wonderful when you see a team that each team member complements each other and, you know, not that it's perfect, but it's like on the court, it's perfect. You know, yeah. um, it's pretty cool. Yeah, just like you and Misty. <laughs> yeah, and we had we fought real hard for that. You know, we we butted heads, we went through ups and downs, losses and wins, and we loved each other throughout, even when it was hard. And you know, I think that's the sign of a great team. And um, if I continue to play, that's like all I want. I want to become the greatest team there is with my partner um, and to play freely and connected. And I think when you watch the greats like Misty and I and Phil and Todd and Audrey mm-hmm. and Shelda, like the trust, the self-trust for each person, the trust within the team trumped everything. And mm. so everything like winning was always an option and it was always possible, even if they were down by a lot, you know? Wow. So, okay, now, Carrie, I'm going to ask you some technical questions in terms of training, practice, and nutrition, because um, it's not every day you get Carrie Walsh on the show. (laughs) So, what is your training routine like um, during different seasons, like in-season, off-season, pre-season, whatever it is? Yeah, well, you know, it's it's all pretty consistent, to be honest with you. Um, obviously in kind of off season, I take a break um, mm-hmm. from volleyball and I'm really just focused on lifting and putting on muscle mass. My preseason, I'm still lifting heavy, but I'm doing kind of more cardio and I, I'm starting to get ready to get on the sand again. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I'm like in season, I want to maintain my muscle mass. So my lifting is less heavy lifts and I'm kind of doing more reps and I'm working on my mobility and keeping strong. Um, but every season has cardio, it has, it has weights and it has mindfulness training. You know, I think only in the off season, I'm not playing volleyball, but other than oh. that, those elements are all the same, you know, cause I really do believe doing one thing all year is just a recipe for burnout. It's a recipe for overuse. And so even if it's like a couple weeks off, um, I think that's hugely, hugely important, you know? Mm. And during in season, how is your training routine? Like so in season, so I've had my same trainers for many, many years. Um, so in season, generally I lift twice a week with, mm-hmm. um, my, my trainer at fast switch in orange County, very close to you. Um, and then I do Pilates three times a week, oh. um, once in, once in the studio, once in the backyard and once on the beach. And mm-hmm. within that, I'm working on agility and conditioning and footwork and all of my workouts in season are pretty therapeutic. You know, I'm lifting weights, but I'm, I'm just strengthening the like little intrinsic muscles that make my big muscles go. And mm-hmm. I'm, you know, getting my foundational strength and making sure I'm still mobile and mobile and all these things. So in season is really fun. Um, you know, it's, it's more about tune-ups and just, it's kind of psychological, you know, when I'm lifting weights and I have that sense of tightness in my body during in season, like in between, um, tournaments, I love it. 
you know, I, I want to feel like I'm, I'm still building strength, mm. even though I'm, you know, I'm not lifting heavy or anything. I'm just, but I, I stick with it. Mm. And what about uh, ball practices? So in season, it, you know, if there's, if there's no tournament, then it's Monday through Friday, oh. you know, two and a half to three hours. Um, I would say three hours maximum. I, I feel like the past 10 years of my career, we've been having like two hour practices max and, and that's including warmth. And so it's so focused and it mm. goes so hard and then you're done. You know, um, I think it's really challenging to focus on anything for three hours and have yeah. a really high quality of play. And so, um, sometimes we'll have double days, but to have a really good two hour practice, I think is plenty. Um, so yeah, ball practice five days a week generally. And then if there's a tournament, then it's generally kind of three days of practice day off, and then you get ready for the weekend. Mm. So I know you mentioned that your training has been pretty consistent, but has it evolved over the course of multiple Olympics? Yeah, for sure. You know, I've just been so blessed, Tasha, with my trainers, because my trainers are the, they're the curious types where they're always growing mm. and learning, and they're a little bit older than me. And so when I show up, I just do what I'm told. And it's such a luxury as an athlete to not have to worry about it, to know I'm yeah. in really good hands. So they keep evolving and um, they keep challenging their bodies. And so therefore they challenge mine. Mm -hmm. I, early on, I played a lot. Like I played, if so, anyone would say, Carrie, we need an extra person. I would go and do it. Even if it was my third practice, you know, and, <laughs> and, and I think I needed that. I needed mm -hmm. to get those reps. I needed that confidence. And um, so early on for the, I'd say for the first five years, I, I was doing that. And then after that, just became a little bit more structured where um, I would train during my nor normal training. And then I just focus on my strength and then my Pilates. Mm. At, um, I think later on, I would say since 2010, I added the mind mindfulness training. Um, I've done, I've incorporated more water training and, you know, the older I get, because water, there's just no impact on your body and it's such wonderful resistance. And I learned this from my friends, um, Gabrielle Reese and Laird Hamilton, and they do amazing training within their XP, XPT program. Mm -hmm. um, so I've added more stuff like that kind of in the later years. And um, it's awesome. You know, I just want to keep challenging my body. Like I'm a big fan of the traditional stuff, lifting weights. I, I yeah. love lifting with all my heart. Like I wish everyone would lift weights smart, you know, smartly. Um, mindfully and um and I love just trying new things as well you know so I'm a creature of habit but I'm always looking for something new to try as well to keep kind of my mind fresh and my mm -hmm. body fresh I love that so can you talk more about the mindfulness training and the water training you said yeah so well mindfulness so I just I'm always working on my self-awareness you know, um, I know you can probably tell, but I, I talk fast. I move fast. I'm like, I always live up here <laughs> and my whole, like, I, I know greatness and love and truth and everything that I'll ever need lives in the moment. And so the more I can live in the moment, the radder I'll be on and off the court, the more enjoyable my life will be, the better I can respond to my life challenges or great moments, you know? And so my mindfulness training is, is really training my focus. It's training myself to live in the moment. It's training my awareness when to recognize when I'm not in the moment. Mm -hmm. um, it's breath work. It's journaling. Mm. Um, it's talking things out. You know, it's my inner critic. It's it's that inner voice. Um, so those are things I'm constantly working on, whether I'm playing volleyball or not. You know, um, and then the the water training is so fun. You know, um, and basically, you know, you you go underwater, you do work holding your breath. 
you know, and so I'm expanding my lungs and I'm, and I'm training my body to use my, my oxygen more efficiently and recover faster. Um, and then there's a lot of jump training we can do in the water. So you're holding weights and you're underwater and you're, you know, leaping up and, and these types of things, you know, and, and it's really, really fun. It's really challenging. You got to make sure there's people around you because things happen in the water. You got to be safe. Um, but, you know, listening to Gabby and Lair talk about it, doing it a couple of times with them really inspired me to get into it on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, and every single physiotherapist I've ever worked with is like, Carrie, get in the water. It's so good on your body. Really? You oh. know, like there's no gravity. There's, you know, you're, you, the weights are, you know, are weightless in the water to a certain extent and you're kind of decompressing and there's natural yeah. resistance. And so I really believe in water training for many different reasons. Um, and it's fun too, you know. Oh, okay. I, I got to look more into that. This is the first time I'm really hearing someone talk about it. <laughs> it's cool. We'll go to, um, I would think it's at XPT. XPT. Um, and that's Gabby and Lair's company. And they have these experiences where you can go and live basically three days with them and see mm. their life and their lifestyle. And um, it's all stuff that deeply resonates with me. But their workouts are incredible. They're very diverse. Um, they're very balanced. And you're going to go hard and then you're going to kind of recover. They they do a lot of heat therapy and saunas and then plunge, cold plunge therapies. <laughs> and then they fuel themselves really well. So um, they live the type of life that I live with my husband. And they the way they do it is really fun and it's very community-based. So I would recommend you and every per, like person who wants to live an optimal life to check them out because they're they're next level. Sure. I will I will find it and I will link it in the bio below so people oh, okay. can check them out too. Yeah. So Carrie, what nutrition plan has worked the best for you and what advice would you give to other athletes? Um the nutrition plan that has worked best for me has been a focus on protein. Um, you know, I, I want, especially the older I get, like I want my my muscle mass to maintain, you know, mm-hmm. and I want my um my body composition to be lean and strong mm-hmm. and it all for me. And I think all humans, it centers around protein, you know, even if you're a vegetarian or a meat eater, like protein is number one, cause yeah. that's just what fortifies our entire system the most. And so for me, when I make protein and hydration, a focus, my two priorities, then my body responds really well. And after mm. protein, so I'll build my meal around protein and then I'll have my healthy fats and my vegetables, you know, which are okay. my carbs and my fruits. Um, but I think basically eat real foods, like period, you know, I, I think no matter what you are, no matter what diet you subscribe to, if you eat real foods, you're going to be in the best health you can be, you know, there's so yeah. much crap in the processed yeah. foods and it's really sad, you know, and when we lived in Manhattan beach for 20 years, we got, I was like an export expert door dasher, you know, and we would just, I was so busy and I wouldn't be cooking and, yeah. you know, it just all that stuff. You can't control anything that's going into your body. Mm-hmm. There's so much excess and. And so living up here in the mountains for the past couple of years, um, I've been learning to cook and, and I've learned to appreciate the simple tastes and just good quality, organic, clean food, real food. You know, my, our, my body, my children, our moods are better. We sleep better, you know, our, we recover better. There's less inflammation. And so I, that would be my number one thing. And I just learned this Tasha and it was so interesting to me, but you know, I, so if you want a certain level of muscle mass, my, this doctor, I follow another good follow is, uh, Dr. Gabrielle Lyon, L-Y-O-N, and she's a a muscle centric doctor. So Mm -hmm. she believes that our, our muscle mass and our muscle muscular system is like, is a system of longevity. It's a system of 
it's part of our immune system and it's how obviously we can age, you know, gracefully. Mm -hmm. And she says that you need between 30 and 50 grams of protein per meal to maintain your body mass wow. and to grow muscle. And if you're not getting that, then basically you're going to be skinny fat. You're going to be oh. under fat. And so then you seem, or you're going to be under muscled and you're going to seem, you know, just like you're carrying fat. Mm-hmm. And so she, she thinks our focus should be less on losing weight and more on gaining muscle. And that mentality has helped me so much because it, it, it affects every single nutritional choice that I make, you know, nutri or protein has become the number one thing I think about. And mm. when I think about my kids, they, you know, they need less than, than I do and my husband yeah. do, but the number one thing they get in the morning is protein and that sets their day off. Right. And they kind of, they can, their bodies can absorb that and use that. So real food and protein and then great hydration, um, are just huge elements to all these things. Mm. What would be your favorite go-to meal? Uh, I'm a very, very, very big fan of just really good steaks right now. <laughs> like, <laughs> I love, I love ribeye. I love, um, just with good salt. I oh yeah. I just we, saw the story that you posted of a packet of some the, ribeye thing, right? The, those are incredible. Yeah. Those are, <laughs> that's my favorite snack hands down the carnivore crisps. You should link that as well. Um, there's 24 grams of protein in each little bag. Like it's amazing. Um, and I love sweet potatoes and I love good salads. Mm. So, um, but I think, you know, a good bison steak or, or beef steak right now is my favorite. Mm, okay. Um, so now I want to move more into games, tournaments, and just your career. So Carrie, how do you train your mindset leading up to an important tournament? Um, every day, it's an everyday thing, you know, um, kind of what we've already talked about, like the way I train is the way I want to compete. And so every single training session, I'm thinking about my inner talk. I'm thinking about my connection with my partner. I'm thinking about how I navigate through challenging moments. Um, I'm training every part of my game every single day. And so that when it comes time to compete, um, every competition means a lot. Every match means a lot. Um, I'm ready and I'm ready just to hit play because I've had all these reps, these reps of failing and refocusing the reps of getting in a funk with my partner and sticking together and, you know, triumphing. Um, all of these things on the daily allow me to show up on tournament day, you know, championship day, um, ready to go. You know, I really mm. do believe the hard work becomes way before that you, you step yeah. on the field of competition. Um, but it has to be every day. Greatness happens every day. It's built yeah. every day. It's not just on the big days. You know, if you do it, then the big days are almost overwhelming, but if you live every day as it's equally important, yeah. um, then those big days are just, it's just another day you know, and it means a lot and it's so exciting and your adrenaline's going, but, um, you're ready for it, you know? Mm, Yeah. Um, I remember there was one podcast that you, I forgot which one, but you said that during the Rio Olympics, I think with April, uh, I remember you said you were nervous and then you told April that and April said, uh, name your butterflies. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That was actually, Oh, I a hundred percent. Um, no, that was actually my very first term with April in America. So it was, an oh, okay. Tournament. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. No, it's the same. It's kind of the same, but it was like, it was our first tournament and we were, I think we were the first seed or one of the top seeds playing like one of the worst seeds. Mm-hmm. And I was like, going to have a panic attack. My heart was racing and I was so nervous <laughs> and I shared it with April and she's like, that's all right. She's like, no problem. She's like, you should name your butterfly. So I was like, 
that is genius. And she goes, you should name them victory. And I, so for now, forever and ever, I'll be forever grateful to April. My butterflies have a name, their name victory. And now when I feel anxious or nervous, it's just, it's like my body is telling me I'm excited, you know, like anxious and nervousness are literally the same thing. It's just how you perceive it. You know, um, I, there's this quote I heard the other day, the difference between feedback and criticism is the way you hear it. And it's kind of the same thing with, um, anxiety and excitement. It's the, it's the way you phrase it, you know? Mm. And so, yeah, I like that cute little story. Yeah. That's super interesting. Yeah. So um, speaking about that, how do you calm calm yourself down during a tight situation in games? Um, I breathe. I lean on my partner. I'm not afraid of saying, hey, I'm nervous, stick with me. If I make a mistake, hey, I got it, stick with me. Um, I talk to myself like I got it. I'm born for this. In, in kind of more important moments and moments where I'm, you know, my heart's racing and I'm feeling a little bit nervous, I start to smile at the situation and be like, I got this. I'm here. I choose this, you know. Um, and then also one piece of advice that helped me so much. Um, again, it's from Michael Gervais and his podcast is called, called Finding Mastery. If you want to share that with your people, he told me to stop looking at moments as big moments or like tight moments or moments that mean something more than others. He just taught me to look at every moment as a competitive moment. And for me as a world-class competitor, as someone who loves then holds sacred the, the right and the, um, the honor of competing that took all the pressure off because when you're competing, you're just giving it your all. It's not about the end result. It's literally about just being in the moment and giving your heart. And I know I can do that until the day I die. And so when he gave me the permission to just compete, it helped me so much. So I remind myself of that often. Mm, yeah. I, I like listen, listening to his podcast as well. Yeah. Very He's, informative. His guests are incredible and he guides them in such a beautiful way. It's mm-hmm. very rich. So Carrie, um, how do you deal with losses? <laughs> losses hurt my heart. They hurt my soul. <laughs> um, you know, it's like definitely evolved over the years. Um, um, you know, before losses used to devastate me and confuse me and make me question everything about myself, about my team. Um, and that kind of had ebbs and flows and all of that made me great, made us great. You know, like losses, like highlight what you have to work on. And that's Mm -hmm. a beautiful gift. Um, You know, kind of after Rio, I got in a funk where I was playing in fear a lot because I feel like I just, my inner critic was like, you're terrible. (laughs) Like you and April lost the gold because you were terrible. And that was my inner talk for three years. It was so, it was so aggressive. It was so mean to myself. And, you know, you're out there, you're a team and you're in it together. And I just put, I put all the blame on myself and I, you know, there's plenty of conversations to have around that, but I felt like I deserved that. And there was a lot of shame around that. And it took me a couple of years to realize that I was like living in a ball of shame because of how I handled one loss and one performance. And I allowed it to define myself. And so after that, I just really started to appreciate everything that being in a funk and losing taught me, which was what I need to improve upon. Um, Mm -hmm. If it brought up insecurities, I would look in the mirror and I'd be like, what is this telling me? What am I not doing? What can I do more of? Um, And then it really taught me to be kinder to myself 
because what I, what I started doing was diminishing myself Mm. um, and just thinking, oh my gosh, that team is incredible. They do this. They're going to stop me here or this. Like that was my thought process instead of being like, bring it. Like, I don't care what you have Uh my mentality, my whole life, like so much respect and reverence for my competition. Like they're there to make me better. But at some point I started to like revere them and bow down to them just even this much. And that's too much. The world is too good to do that. And so, um, I had to grow into that awareness that I was doing that. And I really am on a mission to stop diminishing myself and just living in my strengths and living as a competitive being that I am, you know? So it's, it's been a really hard, very humbling journey. feels very lonely. You feel like a sissy, you know, or I certainly have, um, I have felt so much shame and I just had to get over it, you know, at some point, just be like, Carrie, like you have so much to be proud of and let's Mm -hmm. reflect on the good things that you bring. Even when you were, even when you had the worst game of your match on the biggest stage in the world, um, and you were so exposed, what good things did you do? You fought so hard. You tried, you never gave up. You stayed in it. Um, you stuck with your partner, you know, these things are very valuable. And so kind of going back to the strengths within hard, hard moments allowed me to kind of start building myself again. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a journey. <laughs> Would you even say that losses have taught you more than the wins? A hundred, a hundred percent. I mean, a million percent. Yes. <laughs> yes. You know, when you, when you win a lot, especially in a partnership, when you win a lot, it covers up all sorts of sins and all sorts of kind mm. of fractures and and fissures in your relationship, you know, cause you're winning and things are good. You don't need to address the hard conversations yeah. when you lose. Everyone's a little bit more irritable, a little bit more like, uh, like this, you know? And so it's, it's both harder and easier to have, to have those conversations. But if you want to be great, then you, you need to engage those conversations with yourself and with your, with your team consistently, you know, and the mm. more consistently you do it, then it doesn't become a big kind of confrontation. It becomes yeah, literally yeah. a conversation. Like, what can we do better here? What did this loss that hurt us so badly? What does this teach us and how can it make us stronger together? You know, and it allows you to remind yourself that you are on the same team and that all of the greats have been beaten. And it's like how they respond. You know, we've all heard that a million times and the greats in any sport respond together. And they respond by digging deep and finding the best in themselves after the biggest losses of their lives, you know? And so that's who I certainly aspire to be. Um, I want to model that for my children. And um, yeah, it's such a worthwhile journey to go to the depths of hell (laughs) in your sport, in your relationships, because it's just, it's it's like a decision point, you know, from here, where do Mm. I want to go? I'm resigned to this. I've lost, I failed. I, you know, I did all I could, or I could have done more now what I'm going to do about it. It's a really powerful conversation. Yeah. I love that. So, um, Carrie, what are your hopes for the future of your career? Oh man. Um, my hopes for the future of my life. And I'm just going to put, that's my career, my family, my dreams. Um, (laughs) how how do you how do we put words to you know something that just words don't cover it um I just I really want to live my journey my days no what no matter what I'm focused on I want to be all there and I want to I and I want to want to be there you know I want to I want a feeling of satisfaction and success in everything that I do and that doesn't mean that every day is going to be perfect but it just means I'm in it for the right reasons and I'm in it to grow and learn you know, and so um, ultimately within my career, I want to leave the game satisfied. Like that would be a, 
a dream come true to leave the game satisfied. And I'm certainly dissatisfied right now, which serves a purpose too, you know? <laughs> um, but I just want to feel satisfied in my life. And to me, satisfaction comes when you, you're doing things that are aligned to your heart and your soul that you're doing them on purpose, that every day, even if you're having an off day, you're trying your best. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, you're doing it sincerely. And so if I can do that every day, no matter what I'm doing on the quarter off, then I'll be very satisfied in my career. But there's a quote that I love, um, like the magic kind of formula is to be satisfied with where you are, but eager for more. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's a really powerful recipe for great things. And, and I want to, I want to do that, you know, cause you are where you are got to accept it, got to be okay yeah. with it. And then just the next moment you can choose and do differently and better. So I want to do that on the court and off. So that was a terrible non-answer, but that's no, no, no that's good. So I, I, I remember listening to the episode you did with Dr. AJ and uh, he asked you, um, so how would you rate your um, career? And you said that you would give it like a 95%, right? Yeah. So what do you think this 5% is? Um, you know, I had this dream of finishing the way I started. Ooh. And when I started this game, when I was 10 years old, nothing phased me. Like I just was so in love with it. And I was so in love with the growth, with the growth I felt within and with my teammates that I just, I, every day was heaven on earth. And I want, and then when I first started, I partnered with Misty on the beach and it was heaven on earth. Even the hard parts were heaven on earth. And so for me, I feel like the last 5% to get to a hundred, I mean, I take 96, 97 at this point, 99, <laughs> um, I, you know, for me to get the next couple of percentages would be to become, to return to that playful, serious human who just fell in love with the game, fell in love with herself in the game and did, did it alongside someone she loved and trusted or a team mm. culture like that. And so that is what I would, with all my heart, look to develop and cultivate. And I know it's out there, you know, and it's just, we'll see, we'll see where life takes me, you know, and if I did have to retire today at 95% satisfaction, I would survive. And I think that, (laughs) you know, I left the indoor game in, I left college having lost in the national championship that pissed me off that like provoked me. I left, you know, my first Olympics finishing fourth. It like provoked me. And then I won three gold medals and yeah. then we won bronze and that provoked me. And then this last time I didn't even make the Olympics and that's like crushing me kind of, <laughs> but, um, being dissatisfied is not a bad thing is what I'm trying to say. It leads mm. you somewhere. And I'm the type of person that believes in heaven on earth and that will strive for that. And I know I want to have a meaningful, powerful life. And so if, you know, if my path competing in volleyball is done then I will serve the game and find satisfaction elsewhere um but there's a whole other world that's opened up to me you know once that part of my life goes away and so I'm excited for all of it and I'm Mm. ready for whatever comes um I just want to create my life and be that hero we talked about you know Mm -hmm. yeah so with all that being said what has changed most about the game throughout the years and is there anything that you would like to see in the future evolution of the game um Well, I think the game on the court has become much, much, much more physical. Mm. Every quadrennial of the game has become way more physical. Um, I feel like kind of, it's almost simultaneous. It's like the, the, the team teammanship in the game has gone down. I see a lot of individuals and I see a lot of great 
great individuals together, but I haven't seen that team that's just like so special. Um, and that takes time, you know? So I think some of these new teams, they have that within them, but that to me is something that was missing in the last Olympics. Um, it's just that, I don't know. I, and it's, I don't mean any disrespect. I just feel like it's just, it takes time to develop that and that there's a room in the game for that. I want to be that certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, the growth of the juniors in the game is incredible. It's so beautiful and powerful. Um, something that's disconcerting at the highest level is that all the pros are suffering. You know, they're not making money and opportunities are going away and they're becoming lessening and the standards are falling every day and the athletes are being forced to um, either fight against it or to accept it. And most athletes are choosing to accept it. Mm. I think the status quo is terrible right now for the professional side of the game. Um, but, you know, I have, I have the highest hopes for this game. You know, once every four years, the entire world loves beach volleyball the most. And for me, my ideal dream would be that an entity comes out and is able to create a platform, a league, a tour that is akin to the NBA or the ATP Mm. where the athletes can make their money on that tour. And the Olympics are still very sacred, but that's secondary to where the athletes make their living because ultimately the FIVB and the Olympics are just, you know, two to four teams per country, only two teams per country maximum go to the Olympics. And so there's a whole other world in every country of athletes who are wanting to make a living in this game when they can't. Yeah. And so my dream would be to be part of that mission to start a company or a collaboration with the existing entities, um, which I think is a long shot, but to create these opportunities for the athletes, the athletes deserve a chance to have a good living in this game. And the way it's going now, it just becomes smaller and smaller and more and more segmented and, and athletes are going to be left behind, which is unfortunate. Mm. But why do you think this is happening though? Like, as you said, I thought beach volleyball is growing. So shouldn't the money and everything be growing I hope too? so. <laughs> you, you would think so. <laughs> I, I honestly don't know. I think leadership is one of it. Mm-hmm. One thing I think, you know, the ATP, the tennis tour, mm. um, they are very, very strong because it's the players the promoters and I think the governing or the sponsors are all in it together. Like they work together and they challenge each other. And so rising tide lists all boats and volleyball. It's like, there's the leader, there's like the governing bodies and then everything else was below and they don't work together. Mm. And it's like the, the, the leadership, the, you know, the governing bodies are telling everyone else what they have to accept and there's no say in it. You know, there's no collaboration or cooperation. And that's just, to me, it's just so limiting. And it's such a bummer. Yeah. It doesn't need to be that way, you know? And so um, ideally it'd be an open dialogue and we'd be able to just have respect for all sides because athletes, you know, promoters can't have a tournament without the athletes. NGBs can't have tours without the athletes or the promoters, you know, and then the sponsors need to have, you know, value and, and have a say. And so I just really think that we all need to get together and figure out what we want and push for it and do it together. You know, right now it's just, there's kind of some dictators at top telling everyone to do, making decisions and everyone is just at their mercy, which is unfortunate. Yeah. Even if they're, they're, even if they're the best intending, you know, mm-hmm. dictators. <laughs> I don't know. I think that's just a, that's a tough <laughs> recipe. I don't think history has been friendly to that, yeah. to that scenario. Yeah, let's hope that things will change for the better. <laughs> I believe, I believe so much. And I don't want to sound like a Debbie Downer because I believe so much and I believe rock bottom is a beautiful place to build and, Mm. you know, perhaps we just have to go there. Mm -hmm. So besides beach volleyball, what else do you like to do? Um, 
I, well, I, I love being with my family. Mm-hmm. My husband is my favorite human and my children are just so incredible. They're getting older and they're just so rad. Um, I love to read. I love to shop. I love to eat. I love to cook. <laughs> <laughs> just everything. <laughs> I love to be outside. Yeah. I, I just, I'm, I have, I, life is so good. You know, it just really is so good and it's so simple and it's so full. Um, I love to move. I love to be physical, you know, just I'm always after a feeling, you know, I've been asking myself, like, what are you, what are you chasing? And, um, cause I'm always efforting. I'm always trying to like heal or to learn or it's like, God, <laughs> Carrie, just relax. And I just want a feeling of, I just have to, I think I relax into it, but I'm just after the feeling of satisfaction and mm-hmm. just, you know, being, being at peace with where I'm at. And, um, and, and sorry, this is kind of part of the answer, but I just, my life is so full of so much abundance and so much goodness. And if I, if I ever just stop and take a breath, it's all around me, you know? And so, um, it doesn't take much for me to have a good time, but my family and, um, I guess God are my favorite things. Mm -hmm. And you have a beautiful family. (laughs) Thank you. They, they're, they're so beautiful. It shocks me actually. (laughs) They're wonderful. (laughs) And they're such, they're such good souls. It's like, Mm -hmm. they're so incredible. Yeah. They're so cute. So Speaking about that, this is one question that I really want to ask you. So how did you balance pregnancy, raising a family and still being the best in the world? Um, Well, I think a couple things. I wanted it. Mm -hmm. I did not doubt that it was possible. Um, And I was deeply supported. My husband is just a champion. Misty throughout all those pregnancies was a champion. April, you know, and and Brooke. Um, I just surrounded myself by people who kind of understand that I come with a full package. Um, and they understand that I'll put in the work, you know, and, and from my side, um, my mom had eight kids, you know, she had five of us and carried triplets for her sister and she worked the whole time and she coached and she was everywhere. And she's, she's that type of Nana now she's the grandmother now to to nine grandchildren. And so the modeling was there for me, Mm -hmm. you know, and my father as well. And so, um, I just believed and I wanted it. And I really do believe if you want something in your life, you will do what it takes, you know, and I certainly love is the biggest driving force in my life. And, um, if I love something, you can't stop me. Wow. (laughs) Such powerful words. Oh, so, um, can you tell us more about your organization P1440? Okay. So for P1440, um, it's like, it's the most beautiful thing. You know, we were created to elevate and unite the game of beach volleyball. And we have done that largely. Um, right now we're focused on the juniors game and we have a tour this year. It's called the futures tour where at the end of it, we're going to give away $110,000 in scholarship (laughs) to these athletes who are competing um, so the top 40 points earners and 16s and 18s are uh-huh. going to earn the scholarship money. And basically it's just trying to ease a pain point because club sports is so expensive. Yeah. It's all so expensive. And so we really wanted to help pave the way for their dreams. Um, we also have a program called Fab 50, where we have actually 60 plus of the top juniors athletes around the country. And they come out for three summits across the year and we train them by body, mind and spirit for three days. It's all free. They just have to get themselves there. And we've developed a very powerful community of the best, getting free reps at training together and learning together and developing themselves together. And it's been so special. Um, and next year, you know, we're exciting for, we're looking forward to a new schedule. Mm-hmm. We're working on our digital programming because we want to become the go-to resource center for all things volleyball. You know, okay. everything that I do from mindfulness to volleyball uh-huh. training to physical training, um, find a coach, you know, find resources. We want to have that within 1440. And so that's our next initiative. 
Um, and it's all very, very exciting. Wow. So for people who want to develop beach volleyball in their country or region, how does one build a successful organization like P1440? Oh my gosh. That's a gnarly question, Tasha. I feel like it all starts with a dream, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, and a vision. And then I think one of the things that we're all blessed with is that we're all very resourceful. So you surround yourself with people who are like-minded, who have a Mm. similar vision, who are hungry, just like you are, and you get to work you know, but I think you can shake the world with one person. If you have two people who are aligned, you can really create something amazing. And so to me, it's create the vision, um, create the team, and then just figure out a way to get the components that you want. And don't be afraid to start small. You know, I think Mm. something that we've done kind of, we had to learn the hard way is that we tried to be all things to everyone from moment one. And when sometimes you have to grow into things, you know, it's like, you want to build that strong foundation before you build the height of your building. And, um, so I think for anyone, you know, it just, it takes time and you have to know that, and you have to stay true to your vision and talk to yourself about the vision when things are hard, why do you want this? And you know, what's going good and and what's the pain point right now and how can we solve that? I'm a very big fan of law of attraction. And and Mm. it's like what you focus on in your life is what you attract into your life. And so as you're building something new, a new entity, you know, a beach volleyball federation, whatever it is, focus on the solutions, Mm. you know, don't focus on the problems. If you focus on the solutions, they'll show up in the form of people or resources or whatever it is. But I would say, yeah, vision team and um, just show up every day and you'll get it. But being an entrepreneur with your startup and it's just like, it's the day-to-day, the grind is just, it's so gnarly. So you have to love it. It's like Mm -hmm. such a good metaphor for life. You have to love it and have purpose. Otherwise you're going to burn out. Is it somewhat similar to beach volleyball? (laughs) It's so very similar to sports, you know, just all of the intangibles that make athletes and teams great, the communication, the diligence, the devotion, the perseverance, mm-hmm. um, the networking, the teamwork, like all of those things that you, money can't buy um, and that take time. It, it's just all so required. And then some sports is much easier because you kind of live and die by your own output. You know, <laughs> there's not politics and not other people's timelines. Time yeah. So it's been a luxury to be an athlete for so long mm-hmm. and the business world, God bless all the entrepreneurs out there. Like they have my utmost respect because um, everyone starts from humble beginnings. You know, it's pretty cool. Yeah. You make it sound as though winning three Olympic gold medals is easier than <laughs> managing a business. <laughs> I mean, it's all, it's all relative, right? Different challenges. And that's, that's my comfort zone, you know, like working yeah. my butt off and, you know, like suffering losses and suffering on, you know, on the field of play, like that's what I've grown used to, you know, in my whole life. And so this is kind of a fish out of water experience that I'm mm-hmm. learning to love and I'm learning the hard way a lot. And um, it's like expedited learning because there's so much on the line, you know, and other people's money and, and dreams. So it's interesting. So Carrie, um, what was the best advice that got you through hard times? Man. So I think it's been taught to me throughout my whole life. Um, if you met my mother, she is the most faithful human being I've ever met. Um, and um, lately it's been positioned as when things get hard, double down on faith. Mm. And to me, that's literal. You know, I believe that I am of the creator and I'm always in his hands. And as long as I'm her hands or whoever it is, and as long as I'm doing my part, everything works out. I'm divinely guided and blessed. Um, and then an also piece of advice is everything that 
everything that I'll ever need already within me. And I think that's so powerful. And I, I know that to be true of myself. And I know that to be true of you, Tasha, and everyone out there, you know? And so when things are hard and you want to quit, I always remind myself, I'm built for this. Some mm. part of myself chose this to learn from it. And there's an opportunity here. And so all that goes back to a foundation of faith. Yeah. Um, and then obviously having deep purpose in what you're doing, because if you have that deep purpose, then you'll be curious about the challenges and you won't be defeated by them. Mm. I think um, having a deep faith also puts takes a lot of pressure off yourself. Does it? Yeah. Well, because it's not you're not alone. You know, yeah. I mean, we're all humans and we're all built to be interrelational and interpersonal. And again, that's been the highlight of my journey in, you know, on and off the court. Um, but to believe there's a bigger purpose, to believe that you're divinely supported, um, you know, it's one, it's like love. It's like you can talk about it, but you have to feel it to know it exists. You, you know, you don't have proof of it, you know, and to me, that's what spirituality is. That's what faith is. And I think it's like you can't say that you have courage you can't exercise courage unless you're in a situation where courage is demanded it's kind mm. of the same thing about faith if you if you knew the outcome if you knew what's coming next you wouldn't need faith you have to have faith to step into the unknown and to me knowing that i'm not alone in the unknown um, and i'm supported and i will be supported internally and externally however i need that's huge and it for sure makes it a less lonely and less scary journey and yeah, it doesn't diminish it. You know, I don't, I, to me, it's, it's as real as looking at you right now, you know? Wow. That, that's so true. Yeah. And what do you think your strengths are both as an athlete and as a person? Um, <laughs> I think, I think my strengths are also my weaknesses. Um, you know, I, I think what I appreciate about myself the most is that I sincerely I, I'm sincere. You know, I'm a bad actor. I, if I say I love you, I love you. Um, and it's not only when you're nice to me or only when things are good. Like I'm, I'm very unconditional in my love. I'm unconditional in my commitment. Um, and I don't, and I think that that separates me. And those are, that's something I appreciate about myself. Um, on the flip side of that, it, it allows me to tolerate things that I probably shouldn't mm. tolerate, you know, um, and I feel like I'm a deeply empathetic person and I've messed up so hugely in my life. Like I've, I failed, I've, I've cheated. I've done all these, I've been a bad person. I've, you know, I've learned the hard way in so many ways. And so when people are like this to me or in the world, I understand it from a human perspective, <laughs> you know, and I, and I want to love and be like, it's okay. You're learning from this, you know? And so I think the deeply empathetic part of myself is beautiful, but also again, it lets people off the hook to a certain extent, mm, you know? Yeah. So, um, but I think, I think living life sincerely is a, a beautiful gift to yourself and to everyone around you. And I think I, I do that pretty good. Yeah, I agree. And when you live sincerely, it just, you don't have to feel afraid of getting found out or I was just thinking about this in the yes. morning. Like if you're just honest and true and you don't have to be afraid of anything. <laughs> no, it's so true. Yeah. There's no performance. Yeah. Um, and even it's just that, that just means that your job is to be in the moment, mm. right? And to put on no pretenses and just to be you and be sincere. You know, whether you're being vulnerable or you're being weird or you're being silly or serious, like that's okay. These are all expressions of us. That's how we started, right? There's so many expressions of each of us. Mm -hmm. But to be sincere is to be all those things um, in the moment. So yeah, I agree. No, There's no fear in sincerity, you know? Yeah. 
So Carrie, um, you've been dominant for many, many years. And one question that I want to ask you is, what do you think separates the great from the good? To me, the greats in any field, it's, it's the day-to-day. They show up every day. They show up every day like it's game day. You know, if you watch The Last Dance with Michael Jordan, or if you follow Tony Robbins, who to me is the greatest inspirational, motivational speaker to ever exist, um, you realize that they love what they do so much. They're sincere about it. They will have the many expressions of it, whether it's anger or direct talk or love, all of that goes into becoming the best and giving their best. And they do it every single day. Um, I think the goods show up once in a while or they show up most often. Um, I think the goods can check out once in a while. I think the greats are always in it, always, you know, and they're willing, they're, the greats are willing to do what it takes to have the card conversations, to call themselves out, to raise their hands, to take the blame, to point the finger, um, being like, you need to pick up your end of the bargain because they know they're, they're holding their end of the bargain. You know, the, the greats lead themselves first, you know, mm-hmm. and that, therefore they become the greatest leaders of teams and humans. Do you think it's harder to climb to the top or stay at the top? I think it's harder to stay at the top. <laughs> Times a million. You know, I was thinking about this today, um, you know, because like I said, like once you get to the mountain, you think you're there and you're like, oh my God, there's there's infinite numbers more, you know? And when you're the standard bearer, you just have to keep digging deep and you have to keep being curious about what else is there. Mm-hmm. And you have to keep that fire. And when you're climbing the ladder to become number one, that hunger, it's like, it's just there. It's, it's just in you. And then when you become number one, mm-hmm. the hunger is there, but it's different, you know? Um, and I think the distractions and the obligations and mm-hmm. all of that things that come outside of that come with the territory. And so you have to become a Jedi in focusing and prioritizing, um, and you have to keep that hunger. Like hunger to me is priceless, you know? And if there's been any moments where I haven't been as hungry, I've lost. Oh. And then you get it back. Yeah. But sometimes, you know, as an older athlete, it's like, you know, um, I don't want to be hungry once in a while. I want to be hungry in general. There was this quote, and I hope this makes sense, and I'm probably going to botch it. But basically, it's like the man who loves walking will, oh God, what is it? The man who loves walking will go farther than the man who loves the destination. Oh, you know, so if you love the lifestyle, if you love, like if, if, if I love, if walking to me is becoming my best self, it doesn't matter how hard the journey is or how high the mountain is. I'm just going to keep walking because I love the journey of self growth. It's not about reaching the top of the mountain, you know? Mm. And so I think that's something that's so valuable because the hardest times in my life, when I've been only focused on the outcome, Right. And the outcome to me symbolized greatness and the pinnacle. But what I learned is that if you lose sight of life along the way, if you are just doing something to try to get something out of it, it's like not as fulfilling and satisfying that that feeling of satisfaction that I want doesn't even exist. You're always chasing something. So you have to love to learn the journey, learn to love the walking, and that'll take you everywhere you want to go in more ease, you know? Mm. But how do you stay so consistent for so many years? I love it. I love it. I think, I mean, that's kind of the answer is just, I, I love it so much, Sasha. Mm. Um, I love all of it too. Like I, the personal growth 
for this, like when I first started playing volleyball, I was almost a mute. Like I was so quiet and I was so shy and I, I didn't know how to express myself. Uh-huh. And I played so many other sports and I had my brother and my sisters and my friends, but I was so quiet and I was just a participant in the world. And then when I started playing volleyball, it really gave me a voice and it gave me a focus and a platform for, to discover myself with. And I still have that platform. Volleyball is still that platform of, of discovery for me. And then whichever partner I'm playing with, they're a vehicle for transformation for me and understanding the world better. And how do I grow more? It's a different personality. And that quote that every person, every partnership brings out a different beast in you. I love that because it's so true, you know, so the consistency of it comes with the love of it. And Mm. I'm so curious about the potential I have within, you know, Um, again, my weaknesses now, they intrigue me. You know, and if I want something bad enough, I will push through and I'll find strategies and support to make my weaknesses into strengths. Yeah. And so and that's off the court too, you know, because I have a very full life. I, I'm a career woman. Um, I give a lot of speeches and talks and <laughs> I'm always trying to be my best self, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's not just about viable performance. It's just about showing up to my best self and whatever I'm doing. And mm. I'm, I'm terrible. I, I'm horrific. I'm such a work in progress in so many ways, but that doesn't hurt me anymore. It just makes me inspired to keep learning and growing. Wow. So what advice would you give to aspiring volleyball players or athletes listening to this? Um, I think fundamentally, I would tell everyone to play, to play a lot. And to never forget the playfulness part of training and of competing, because I believe we're all at our best when we're being playful, you know, Mm. with a childlike spirit. I think Bruce Lee is a quote like that. Playfully serious is the best combination to be. And I truly believe that. Um, And then kind of on the other side of that, I would say that I think self-love is the antidote to so much of life's stress, you know, and you can become the greatest ever in the history of the world if you have self-love as a tool, you know, Mm. um, and again, self-love can be holding yourself accountable. It could be reprimanding yourself. It could be strict self-discipline. Um, it could be, you know, taking a bath, you know, self-care, it could be so many different things, but I think self-love is sustainable and it makes the hardest parts of the journey more tolerable and more sustainable because you're on your own team. And so whether you're a male or a female, if you're a legend or a rookie, I recommend getting into a self-love practice that allows you to support yourself as you go. Cause it's going to be hard. Life is going to be hard. You're going to get punched in the throat <laughs> and get knocked down a million times. And it's up to you to stand back up and to make the choices, no one else. And so I think self-love is, is huge in that. Yeah. I find it funny how self-love is something that seems obvious, but isn't necessarily easy. <laughs> no it's so hard well because we've all been trained like Tasha as an athlete and I think everyone is like don't complain don't whine yeah. suck it up do your job make it, those are beautiful things like I love those things like I wasn't <laughs> allowed to make excuses growing up and I'm great because of it you know um, but at the same time sometimes that shuts off your communication with yourself you know for for 30 years I told my body to shut up like your shoulder hurts shut up like deal with it work around it And finally, my body gave out like, that's not okay. Like I have to love myself as I'm challenging myself, you know, Mm -hmm. and those are very hard things because it's not, we, we treat other people like that, but we don't treat ourselves like that. And I really do think if you can like, kind of look at yourself as your best friend and how would you treat your best friend when they're going through hard times, mentally, physically, spiritually on the court, off the court, you're going to guide yourself in a better way, in a powerful way. 
you know, because mm. um, I feel like with our friends, like for me, my greatest friends call me out or they say, Carrie, you know, you're really, you're hurting yourself by thinking this way or by doing these things. Mm. Um, that's a great friend to me. You know, it's not always like, oh, you're perfect, Carrie, you're yeah. good, you know, like, and so to me, a great friendship with yourself means look, being honest with yourself, mm. you know, and having that self-awareness and then choosing, choosing what you want, you know? So it's not easy, but I think the more you do it, the better you get at it. And then again, the more self-awareness you develop, you're going to be able to navigate through these situations, but it all starts with the awareness and then eventually build in self-trust. And if you have self-trust to go through hard times, because you're consistently loving yourself, you're consistently trying to crack the egg, you're consistently resourceful or resilient. When things get hard, you're going to be like, I got this. And you're going to say it with confidence because you've earned that self-trust, you know? Mm. Yeah. So looking back, like you said about the shoulder and how you push through it, would you have not done that? looking back um no I mean yeah, you do what you gotta do you know <laughs> I and I don't believe in regrets I've learned the hard way you know yeah. I think the only thing I would do differently about my shoulder um when I was at Stanford I was still growing like I grew a little bit in college I grew yeah. too late and I had two surgeries at Stanford Ooh. that they were experimental and I didn't get, I felt pressured into getting it, but I just, I so wanted to be fixed that I just yeah. said, yes, I'll do this. And I kind of wanted the easy fix. Whereas my recommendation for that 18 year old me and for anyone now would be like, surgery is literally the last result resort, like do everything you can to align your body and, oh. you know, get strong and get stable. And like, it's not just the shoulder. That's a problem. It's your whole body. You got to integrate it. Whereas, you know, when you have an injury and you get surgery, you're only focused on that. And so it mm. kind of becomes disassociated from your body. And so for me, um, I think I'd probably do the same things, but I would have done a holistic approach to my healing and to my preventative therapy, you know, because mm-hmm. once you're kind of in the reactionary space, it's really hard to catch up. Yeah. So surgery is the last case scenario okay. and our bodies are so built to heal through nourishment and mental, you know, thinking and, and all these healing modalities that yeah surgery should not unless it's tra- traumatic you know mm. but for me I, I didn't need that okay noted <laughs> yeah so last question Carrie what is the biggest lesson that volleyball has taught you um, <laughs> the biggest lesson volleyball has taught me um I think that, gosh, there's so many ways I can answer this. I think that it's volleyball has taught me that if you have a dream that is meaningful to you, then all of it's worth it, but it's not worth it if you lose yourself in the process. So like I have suffered (laughs) and given so much to this game and I Mm -hmm. wouldn't change one single thing. Not one single thing, not one single heartbreak, not one single relationship loss, not one single, you know, any of that. Like I've learned so much. And so I think volleyball, like it just, it just shows me that if something's worth it to you and if it's so big in your heart, it's your duty to pursue it and whatever comes your way, if you believe in it, if you love it, then it's worth it. And it's part of the process. You know what I'm saying? Like, just because you love it and you're great at it does not mean it's going to be easy. Yeah. So know it's going to be hard and smile at that part because that part <laughs> like matters. Right. So if it's worth it and meaningful to you, pursue it, but don't lose yourself in the process. Yeah. Pursue it with all your heart, but do not lose yourself in the process and do not do it for the end result. Do it mm. just for the simple joy of pursuing it and you'll get the end result. 
in some form or fashion that you want. You know, I really believe that. Like I heard this quote the other day and it really rocked my world because meditation is very hard for me, <laughs> but I believe in it like more than anything. I think it's so important. Um, and someone, Abraham Hicks, who I love, she just said, don't meditate to improve your focus or to become one with yourself. Meditate for the joy of meditating. And to mm -hmm. me, it's like play for the joy of playing, compete for the joy of competing. And the rest just happens. That's like the cherry on top. You know, um, again, it's like, if you love walking, then you'll go farther. So I think start to love walking and you'll go very far. Wow. Such beautiful, powerful words. Oh, well, they're not mine, but I, I believe in them. <laughs> That's for sure. Nice. So how can our listeners connect with you and support you along your journey, Carrie? Oh, thank you, Tasha. So all my social handles are at Carrie Lee Walsh. Um, but the biggest honor would be for you guys to check out at platform 1440. Um, that is my baby. And if you're a juniors athlete, or if you're a parent of junior athletes, or if you're mm -hmm. a coach, um, our programming is for you and we're developing more into the adult space as we go, but, um, it's just such a beautiful gift to the sport. And I just, I hope for everyone to engage with it and love it. And if you feel called to it, to support in your own way, that'd be great. Awesome. Carrie, thank you so much for your time. It has been such a blessing and honor to be able to speak to you. And I want to acknowledge you for all the amazing things that you give and do to the volleyball world. I mean, not just the volleyball world, but in this world itself, you inspired so many across the globe. You probably don't even realize it, like yeah. me, Dr. AJ, and many other people. But if there's anything else that I missed out, uh, would you like to add something? No, I just want to say thank you, Tasha, for, for this. I think you did an amazing job. Um, and no, like your kindness back in 2019 made my day and Aww. it made me a better person. And so I, I feel so blessed and so grateful to be in this sport, to have these dreams to chase and to be able to meet people like you. And um, no, I just think I all, for all of your listeners, I hope they support. I hope that if, you know, any resources that your guests guide them to for them to check it out, because I think it's such a beautiful expedited way to learn is to learn from other people. Mm -hmm. um, but no, it, you're, you're giving a gift to the world. I just want to say thank you for everything. Um, and I just wish you so much luck with your dreams coming true. Oh, thank you so much, Carrie. You're welcome, darling. Thank you so much to Carrie for this beautiful episode. We are so lucky to be able to learn from her and understand what it takes to be a titan in this world. If you found this episode helpful, share it with your friend, your teammates, or even your coach. It really helps too if you could share this episode on your social media platform to help spread the word so that more of the beach volleyball community will be aware of it and we can all help to grow this amazing sport that we love together. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel. And once again, thank you for joining us and I'll see you in the next episode.